Good morning. Or in Haitian Creole, bonjour. How you doing? Really? It's good to see y'all this morning. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. If you're there, say word. That was my sister praying. It was weird hearing her call me Pastor Jesse. She's called me a lot worse. But if you're in John 6, stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. My sermon is from 22 to 34, but we're just going to read right now down to 24. You know what? Let's read the whole thing. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this time. I pray that you would add a blessing upon your word because your word never fails. Thank you for this time, God, where we can freely come and worship you. We thank you for this book that we can read and study you and grow closer to you. We, we thank you for the opportunity for us to feed on this. But God, I pray that through this message, you'll help us to see Christ as that bread from heaven. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Just to give a little bit of recap, the crowd that is confronting Jesus came from the crowd that Jesus fed at the beginning of chapter 6. Jesus performed the miracle of the feeding of the, remember, the 20,000 or more men, women, and children. But remember what happened at the end of that miracle? Jesus had to leave them in a hurry because they wanted to make him king on their Terms. They saw that Jesus could bring, could 
caused food to increase. So they knew that, Jesus, that, that, that they would never starve. So let's make him king and let's get him to rescue us from Roman rule because they saw him as they saw Moses. Moses was the guy who rescued a people out of Egyptian slavery. They wanted Jesus to rescue them out of Roman rule. So Jesus saw that they wanted to make him king on their terms. And Jesus is not king on our terms. Jesus is king on his terms. Jesus flees up a mountain to pray to the Father. As we saw last week, and as he's on the mountain, the men in the boat are sailing to Capernaum. A storm comes up. We learned last week that the Sea of Galilee is about six miles wide. And, and after several hours, the, the disciples had only made it halfway because the wind and the waves were causing so much fight against that boat that they couldn't make it as far as they wanted to. Much like how we as the church are fighting culture, how we as individual believers are fighting our own sin day in and day out. What I didn't tell you last week, and I really wanted to, and I, I kicked myself when I realized I didn't, was that Jesus, as he was up on the mountain praying, and then he comes down the mountain and walks on the sea, is a great illustration of the incarnation. The mountain represents authority, represents kingship, and he steps down from that. He steps down from heaven enters into our world full of sin, chaos, walks on water to show that he has control over all of it, that nothing can stand against him. And then the disciples, what did they do? They gladly, joyfully brought him into their boat. The sun comes down from heaven, takes on flesh, so that he may get into the boat with us and bring us to our desired haven, which is heaven. Now this crowd has been seeking Jesus, as we see in verse uh, 24. The title of, of my message this morning is Seeking the True Bread from Heaven. What we come to find out as the disciples confront Jesus, they're seeking Jesus for all the wrong reasons. They want what he can give, not who he is. Church, even today, people seek Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Even today. They seek him to use him, to manipulate him, to get from him. I've told you before that the hardest part about ministering in the Bible Belt is not ministering to lost people who know they are lost. Man, I wish I could minister to more of those. The hardest part about ministering in the Bible Belt is ministering to those who think that they're saved, but in reality are lost because they're seeking Jesus for the wrong reasons. Because here's the truth, church. If you just come to Jesus to be saved from hell, you came to Jesus for the wrong reason. 
I need you to hear that again. If you just came to Jesus to be saved from hell, you came to Jesus for the wrong reasons. If you just came to Jesus to be rich and healthy and prosperous, you definitely came to Jesus for the wrong reasons. The disciples were the closest to Jesus and they were not healthy and wealthy. They were prosperous, but in the eyes of God. What you end up doing is you're coming for the gift and not for the giver. The main idea that I want to get across today is this. A fully satisfied life is one that fully seeks Jesus for who he is and not what he gives. We are able to find a fully satisfied life by these three ways that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to look at number one now. Look at verses 26 through 27. It says this. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, this past week, I had the amazing opportunity to spend a few days down in Haiti. I've been trying to get there for about six years now. Me and my friend, my good friend, were able to lead a pastor and preaching conference for the pastors of Haiti. Had a fantastic turnout. I want to tell you so much. So much. But we don't have enough time. First Sunday night of December, I'm going to give my report on what I saw, what I felt, and how I feel now. But as we were going down there, I had this opportunity to spend time with these amazing children. Uh, Brent, why don't you go ahead and show the first picture that I sent you. These kids were awesome. They're, 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 they're not orphans. Uh, they have parents. Um, this is a school that is a part of the church that my friend's church planted in Haiti. They now have 130 children in this school. They were so happy. As I was preparing myself to go to Haiti, I was preparing for myself to have pity, to be devastated, to be sad about what, I what I'm about to witness. And granted, the people in Haiti, they don't have much. 80% of the population is in poverty. They don't have jobs. It's hard to have education. And they work to survive. They work to feed themselves and their family. I was able to spend a little bit of time with these kids and they, they, were, just, they were just great. And here, here are a few things that I've learned so far about, about Haitians. One, they only smile when they have something to smile about. Have you noticed that we smile even when we're faking it? Haitians don't. 
They only smile when they have something to smile about. Haitians look out for each other. They take care of each other. Haitians work to survive. They don't have jobs. There's not a mailman. There's not... Uh, There are some stores that people can have, grocery stores that people can work in, but but, but there's not, you know, construction workers. You know, they don't have jobs like you and I have jobs. But they do what they can to survive. They're hospitable. Even though they have nothing, they're willing to share everything. Me and my friend were treated so good by the houses that fed us. So good. And you have not truly had a Coca-Cola until you have one in Haiti. I'm being completely serious. And here's what I wanted to get to. Haitians are content with what they have. They're content. They know that they don't have much And I'm sure they wish they could have more, but they're not moping around about it. They don't complain about it. And these kids, they're content. Go to the uh, next picture. This is she love. She wouldn't let go of my hand. I wanted to take her home with me. I wanted to pack her up in my suitcase. These kids did not complain about a thing. They don't have what we have. They don't have the food that we have. They don't have the toys that we have. But they're content. So I told you I was prepared myself to have pity on them. I come home and I have pity on us. Because what ends up happening is, <laughs> is we continue seeking things to make us happy. And we seek and we seek and we seek. I, I was convicted this entire week. I want the new iPad. I want the new, you know, iPhone. I mean, I've got the new one. I went in debt to get the new one. I want, I want, I want, but yet these people, they are content. And here's what I'm getting at. The Christians that we spent time with in Haiti, they they didn't seek Jesus for things. They don't have things. They, They don't even know if they will have another day. They sought Jesus for who he is. Friday, we were we were able to go and visit a church in a a place called Canaan. Canaan is only five years old. It, it was started after the, earth, the earthquake five years ago where people who had nothing fled to this area and now there's a big town. 
We went and visited a church there, Pastor Amos. There was about 12 people in the service. And that was probably one of the most worshipful services I've ever seen. They asked me to stand up and give a message. I was like, wait, I need like 15 hours to prepare. And to see their hunger for God's word. They just want Jesus. At the pastor's conference, these pastors and church members that we were able to teach were so hungry for the truth of Scripture that I was convicted by it. They knew that Jesus satisfied their soul. They, they wanted to know more, to be taught more, so that they can teach others. And it was so good. Because it's something you don't see much of here in America. There was, throughout the week, they were calling for rain and storms. And the first night we taught, it, that the storm hit and it was so bad. I shared a video on social media. And here's the thing about Haitians. Not all of them have cars. And not all the roads are paved. So they traveled in mud. And when it gets dark in Haiti, you can't see your hand in front of your face. But these people were there in dark to hear the word of God, knowing that when they leave, they're going to get soaked, they're going to travel in mud, and it's going to be hard to get back home. But here, if we wake up and we feel too tired, we can't even come to church. I was also convicted by the fact that they don't have the resources that we have. They don't have the commentaries we have. They don't have the, the good books that are coming out on theology. They, don't, they have God's word. And they feed on it. They study it. So I can tell you today that they were seeking Jesus for the right reason. So my question for you this morning in that 30-minute introduction, are you seeking Jesus for the right reasons this morning? Jesus answered them in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. This crowd comes to Jesus because they had their bellies full. They had been fed, they had been satisfied, and they wanted more. Not more of Jesus, they wanted more of what he could give. They missed the, the entire miracle. And this is what Jesus tells them. He says, do not work for the food that perishes. Now, Jesus is not saying, don't work to survive. That's not what he's saying. We have to. We have to provide food for our tables. We have to provide clothes. We have to work to survive. But what he's saying is, your labor for the spiritual, your labor for me, for Christ, 
should be greater than your labor for survival. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Church, we're going to do what we can to feed ourselves. Am I correct? We're going to do what we can. And, and what's great is, is we have many ways to feed ourselves. Many options. My son is sick at home. Uh, my wife is watching him. She texted me earlier and said, what are you doing for lunch? I said, I'm not sure. I said, do you want me to pick you up something? She said, no, I'll find me something here. So I'm thinking, what am I getting for lunch? And you're probably thinking that now, too. I'm hearing some stomachs rumbling. It's like once I hear once I say the word lunch in a sermon, y'all are like, oh, yeah. What are we going to do? I'm thinking Chinese. But we have options. We have places we can go. We can work to feed ourselves. But too often, that's all we try to do. Have you ever wondered how an unbeliever, when they get to the end of their life, what they look back on? Have you ever wondered how they feel? Like, really, is this all there is? Waking up in the morning, working day in and day out so that I can live, so I can feed myself? What Jesus is saying is, is there's more to this because in the life of a believer, we're not called to work just for the food to survive. We're called to work more for the food that endures. So how's your laboring for the food of God? Now, Jesus is not saying working for salvation. We don't work for our salvation. But we do work to feed on Jesus. We strive in it. We spend time in God's word. Man, and I'm telling you, <laughs> the men I spent time with in Haiti this past week, I was so convicted by the time they spent in God's word, by how much they know it and how much they crave it. There are people in this room that I can think of right now who I know spend time in God's word. There are even people in this room who intimidate me because of how much you know your word, how much you know the Bible. Church, we should be laboring in this book. We should be sweating in this book. Spurgeon once said that a Bible falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. But I'm not saying study this book so you don't end up falling apart one day. Study this book so that you can feed on the truth of Jesus. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Feed on the truth of Jesus. So number one, we are able to find a fully satisfied life by seeking him for our soul's satisfaction. Seeking him for our soul's satisfaction. Not for what he can give, but for who he is. 
We don't seek Jesus just so we can be saved from hell. Let me tell you, that's a good deal right there, though. I love the fact that Jesus is saving me from eternal punishment. That's good. I am thankful for that. But that's not why we come to Christ. That'd be like me telling you that I married my wife because of what she could give me, because of what she could offer me. I married my wife because of who she is, because of how much I love her. We come to Jesus not because of what he can offer us. We come to Jesus because of who he is. And he satisfies the deepest longings of our soul. Because church, just like this crowd, you're going to eat bread and you're going to get hungry again. Trust me, I know. But Jesus is saying, if you'll eat the bread that I am, if you'll feed on me my truth, if you'll be in my word, if you'll spend time with me, if you'll seek me for me, you will never long for something else in your soul. We are to seek him for our soul satisfaction. We find true joy in Jesus. And let me tell you, the world can offer you nothing that'll satisfy you for eternity. I love Apple products. If you don't, if you, if you don't know me, I'm an Apple fan. If you want to buy me a gift for Christmas, I'll take a new Apple watch. But that was a joke, by the way. Um, but the thing about Apple and that I'm coming to learn is after two years, your device becomes obsolete. You have to get the next one. What they do is, is they bring something out better and then you're like, oh, I got to have this one. This is better. This does what I need it to do. It takes 3D pictures. I need that. You know how silly that sounds sometimes? And what's sad is, is I had to take a trip to Haiti for me to realize a lot of this. I had to take a trip to a third world country to realize my own materialistic convictions. My own sin. Jesus wants us to seek him for who he is. <laughs> I wish half the church in America could have the spiritual hunger that these men in Haiti I came across with has. You know how much different America would look? Number two, look at verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Let me go back to verse 27 real quick. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. We are able to seek Jesus for who he is because he is approved, acknowledged by God the Father. So when we think of a seal, you remember wax seals? You know, used to, you would see it on the back of uh, letters um, or envelopes. Uh, like in the, uh, I heard one commentator say, use a Robin Hood movie where in the Robin Hood movies, they would put up the wanted posters. 
put up the, uh, the, 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 the culprit and then they'll say a reward for so much money. And then there'd be a seal, a wax seal stamped on the bottom of it, which says that this is the king's approval. This is authentic. This is real. And what this is, what Jesus is saying is, is God has set his seal. The father has set his seal on me saying, I am authentic. I am real. God approves of me. Seek me. And what the crowd comes back, they're, they're saying, okay, all right, well, what must we do? How often do we as, as believers even sometimes feel that we have to do something to be saved? How often do we feel that we have to, that we have to be reading our Bible? I'm not saying we shouldn't be reading our Bible. What I'm saying is, is we should never read our Bible to think, oh, if, if I don't read this, Jesus is not going to love me enough. If I don't do this, Jesus is not going to love me enough. There's this work-based mentality that people have, and this crowd is coming to Jesus saying, what must we do? Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? What must we be, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, what they're saying is, is not the works of God. Like, like, like what they're saying is, is the works of God that is required to believe. What must we be doing that is required of God so that we can have this bread? This is what Jesus says. This is the work of God. This is what God requires. This is great. That you believe in him who he has sent. And that's number two. We can have a fully satisfied life by believing him who God has sent. That's it. But remember John 5. If you do not honor the son, you do not honor the father. What we're saying is, is believing Jesus of scripture. Not this mentality of Jesus we have. Because we all have this mentality of who Jesus is. And a lot of times, according to Vodi Bauckham, it's this sissified Jesus who sits back with peace signs and is all loving, which he is all loving, but I'm just saying too loving. <laughs> what I mean by that is, is oh yeah, you can live however you want to live. You can do whatever you want to do because Jesus loves you anyway. There's a little bit of truth to that. Jesus does love you anyway, but not because you can do whatever you want to do. Church, we have in this mentality that, 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 that we can just say this prayer, be saved, have our get out of hell free card, and then live any life we want to live. That's not seeking Jesus. That's not what that means. Seeking Jesus means we're going to believe him who God has sent. We're going to obey him who God has sent. We're going to have a desire for him who God has sent. And we want it to overtake every bit of our life so that we can live faithfully for him because of what he's done for me and what he's done for us. We can have a fully satisfied life in Christ by believing him. Who God has sent. Second Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father sent the Son to be our sacrifice. 
to be our substitute. And we're able to believe him. We're able to put our trust in him. As we saw last week, Jesus came down the mountain. The son was sent to the earth, put on flesh, showed that he had control over all things so that we can bring him into our boat and so that he can bring us to our desired haven, which is heaven. But if he's in our boat, just as we saw last week, church, then he's the captain of our soul. He's the Lord of our life. And if we truly believe him who God has sent, it's going to reflect on it. And I don't know if I'm just tired or or angry or what, but I'm tired of this mentality in the church that says if I have Jesus, I can live any way I want. Because you're not honoring the son. You're not believing in the one whom God has sent. Because if you truly believe in Jesus, if you've truly surrendered your life to him, your life is going to reflect it in all areas. Grace is great. Grace is overpouring. There's a lot of grace. Richard Sims tells us that there's more grace in Christ than sin in us. But let me tell you something. Paul also tells us that even though grace abounds, we should not continue sinning like we do. So if we're fully going to seek Christ, then we need to get rid of all of the weight all of the hindrances, all the sin that weighs us down as we truly run after Him. Because what we do when we say that we want this sin instead of Jesus is we say, Jesus, You're not sufficient for us. You are not the bread from heaven. I want this right now. Don't get me wrong. I like to splurge every day on some good food that Phil Harville and Vincent Berardelli and Robert Leto would probably disagree with me on. But if we are not truly seeking Christ day in and day out, I'm not saying you have to live a perfect, sinless life. But the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. Our lives can be fully satisfied by believing Him who God has sent. And number three, number three, let's look at verse 30. So after that was said, so they said to him, (laughs) then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Now this is, I just, sometimes you just want to smack those people. Uh, Like Jesus just turned this this basket of crackers and sardines to feed over 20,000 people. The crowd did, did not see Jesus walk on water though. But, 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 but Jesus has performed these miracles. What more do they want to see? Like seriously, okay, then what sign will you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And this is what they were, they were looking for. Verse, verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What they were looking for was not Jesus turning bread to feed 20,000 people. They didn't want the bread that they had. They wanted bread from God. Can you imagine the ideas that they had, these fantasies they had from the story of this manna that God provided? 
This bread from heaven. I mean, it, supposedly it tasted really good. Can you imagine what, like that's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see Jesus bring food from heaven. Bread from heaven, this manna. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. They had in their mindset that Moses was the one that provided the bread. It was God the Father. And what Jesus is saying here is just as God the Father provided manna in the wilderness, he's provided manna today. And it's in me. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So number three, we can have a fully satisfied life by receiving him as the true bread from heaven. Seeking him, believing him, receiving him. Look at verse 34. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. This crowd still did not see what Jesus was talking about. Because if you'll look down a little further, um, verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They still were not happy about this. But what if we, when we see Jesus as a true bread, would come to him and truly say, sir, Lord, God, King, Savior, Messiah, give me this bread always. Jesus, give me you always. Truly you, the true bread of heaven. Give me you always. Because I can tell you, the reason why a lot of these Haitians that we, hang out, that we hung out with last week, the reason why they were content and happy, it's because they had Jesus. They, they hardly had anything, but they had Jesus. But yet we, we grumble and we complain when the air conditioner doesn't work. Or we complain when our phones broke. Or we complain when the food's messed up at a restaurant. We're not happy. And we seek contentment in all the things of this world when we should be seeking contentment in Jesus. And what better time to seek contentment in Christ than at Thanksgiving? I love how God does sermon prep for me at times when we plan out the sermons. Because I didn't plan for this message to land at Thanksgiving. I, didn't, I wasn't really planning on going to Haiti the week before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is going to be a whole lot different for me this year. But church, are you thankful for Christ and are you content in Him? Have you received Him as the true bread from heaven? Are you feeding on Him as the bread from heaven? Are you in your Bible? Are you praying? Do you crave to know him more? I'm not saying do you crave to know more about him. That's information. I'm talking about transformation. Do you crave to really know the word that God sent? The son. You crave the bread of heaven. Who we'll see next week is the bread of life. 
I pray you do. I pray you do. Remember this. Nothing in this world can provide the true contentment, the true satisfaction, the true joy that Jesus can. No person, no place, no thing can do that except Jesus. Remember that this Thanksgiving. And remember that we have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. I pray you know Jesus as a true bread of heaven. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, I pray that you would do what you do best, and that is to show us who you are, grab our hearts, help us to see Christ as the true bread of heaven, to have our contentment in him, to to find true satisfaction in him. God, we pray that you would do that today. Lord, if we are not in our Bibles, if we are not spending time with you, convict us. Give us a hunger for you. Your word tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God, help us to find satisfaction in you, not in what you give, Even though what you give is good, you give eternal life, you give blessings. But God, we don't want to seek you for your gifts. We want to seek you as the gift. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Help us at this time. Lord, bring us to you. We ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen.